Galatians chapter 5, and if you are thinking that I may be crazy and that I don't realize we're through with Galatians, I am not crazy. So that is good. But we are back in Galatians. I told you last week we were out of Galatians, but we are, we are right back in it, and we're going to dig in a little deeper. And I know you might be saying, well, we covered it in pretty great detail, but uh, we're going to kind of break down something that we didn't cover in great detail that I think it's important for us. We've, we've covered some uh, heavy stuff over the last couple of months as in going through the book of Galatians, but uh, tonight we're going to go back to a, a passage we read a few weeks ago, and we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and not just tonight, but over the next few weeks. We're going to, uh, I kind of skimmed over them, lumped them all together, but we're going to break these fruits of the spirits down, if, if the Lord wills, over the next few weeks and we're going to look at each of these fruits of the Spirit that those who are in Christ should possess and kind of dig a little deeper into them uh, and look at the rest of Scripture and, and kind of see if we can understand uh, what these things mean when it, when it calls us to be these things, that we understand what it's talking about and, and, and uh, areas in the Bible where other people might have dealt with the same things. It gives us a good definition and helps us to kind of uh, get a better idea of what these fruits of the Spirit are. So... Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we're just going to read the first few words of verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you now. We've, we've looked at all these things, but help us as we kind of go back over them. God, there's, I think, a lot here that, that we can still discuss, that we can still learn from uh, these fruits of the Spirit. So help us to... To, to get something from your word tonight. God, I pray that you would help us to be bearers of, of love, that you would help us to know what love is. God, that you would help us to realize what your love was for us, what your love is for us, and that that is what drives us, that that is what guides us to know how that we should love other people and how that our actions should show uh, our love and care for others. And so, God, I pray that you would just be with us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Love. I don't. I don't think there's a coincidence that Paul used that there. Maybe he was just. Uh, maybe he was just throwing them out at random, and love happened to be the first one. But I think that Paul probably used love because I think everything uh, really begins with love. I think everything starts with love. Uh, the Tina Turner song. She asked the question, "What's love got to do with it?" And I think the answer to that question is everything when it comes to the Bible, at least, and when it comes to us, maybe not in the song, but in spiritual terms, in biblical terms, when we ask the question, what does love have to do with anything? I would answer that with love has everything to do with everything. Now, love is mentioned a ton throughout the Bible, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Depending on your translation, it, it may be a few more times or a few less times, but uh, in my particular translation, the Holman, uh, it, it uses the word love 700 times, 700 times in the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, and uh, in some translations, it may be less than that, but no doubt in your translation, love is also used several hundreds of times. And so love is a very important thing. And I think that love is most important. And I believe that everything started with love. When we look at uh, Genesis and the Old Testament and we see that God created humanity. But the question that, that I ask and maybe some of you ask or, or ponder or think about is, is why did God create humanity? 
And that seems like a pretty reasonable question because we look around, we see all the evil in the world, we see all the things that are going on, and we say if God is all-knowing, which he is, then why in the world would he create humanity and allow us to suffer these things? I think that's a, a fair and reasonable question. But the answer to why that I think God would create humanity is because of love. Now, I don't know of a scripture that just says that God created humanity because of love, but I think that we see that all throughout scripture. I think we see hints of that through many different passages in the text. It is very clear that God loves humanity dearly. I'll read you a couple just to kind of make the point, help you understand why I come to that conclusion and why I think that's what the Bible teaches. First uh, John chapter 4 verse 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So that spells it out pretty clear right there. We know from that text, <clears throat> even if we didn't have any others, that God is love. Secondly, John 3.16, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So why did God send Jesus to die on the cross? Because he loved the world, because he loved humanity. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8, uh, God commands the Israelites here, he says, they are to make me a sanctuary for me, excuse me, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Not only do we know that God is a God of love, but we also see clearly in the text, again, not just in this instance, but in many others, that God desires to dwell with humanity. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, that's pretty good stuff right there. I think that that gives us a pretty good clue as to what God's intent was, just in those few scriptures that we read. It's pretty clear to me that God's intent is that he loved us, he created us because he loved us, and he desired to, uh, to be there to dwell with us so that he could have someone to share that love with. That's a, that's a natural thing. We understand that even as sinful humans. We understand the importance of having one, someone to share our love with. I longed for a wife and thought I'd never have one because I wanted somebody to love. I wanted somebody to share that love with. And it's a great thing that I'm married to get to share that love and to get to feel that love back. And I think that that's probably exactly what God's desire was. Now, sin came in and messed all of that up. Sin came in and ruined what God's perfect plan was. But even in the midst of that, God still desired to be with us. So he came up with an alternate plan. He came up with a, well, I won't say alternate because Jesus was, has always been and will always be. But he came up with a solution to the problem of sin. That's probably a better way way of saying it. And, and he sent Jesus to die for us because as we see in the Old Testament, he desired to dwell. And as we see at the very close of the, of the book of Revelation, the Bible as we know it, what we see is that ultimately what's going to happen in the, is that God is going to get what he desires. And that is an eternal dwelling with those who are his. We see everything is established upon love. If you want to flip with me, you can. You don't have to, to Isaiah chapter 16. Isaiah chapter 16. <clears throat> That's in the Old Testament. Kind of toward the middle of your Bible. 
Now, Isaiah was a prophet of, 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 of the Old Testament, and he prophesied about a lot of things that were going to happen to the children of Israel. Now, now one thing that Isaiah did, and we see this sometimes in Scripture, is, is the prophecies that he, that he makes have a dual fulfillment, and that means that they are fulfilled two times. And you say, well, if you prophesy something, how can it be fulfilled two times? Well, the things that Isaiah prophesied about were both to Israel in that day and age, but they also were pointing the people of Israel to Jesus. So these prophecies that he made for people in that day and age that were going to be in that time, uh, they were a type, they were a foreshadowing of Jesus who is to come. So they applied to both the person uh, in that time, and they both applied uh, to Jesus as well. This is one of those passages. In verse 5 it says, Then in the tent of David a throne will be established by faithful love. The throne that is going to be established is by faithful love. Now that throne is pointing us to none other than Jesus Christ. His throne is established by faithful love. We see time and time again throughout the text. Now if you have King James or a different translation, uh, NASB uses the word loving kindness. King James uses the word mercy, but the, but the point is still the same. The throne is established on mercy. It is established on love. And we know clearly throughout the text of Jesus Christ that we see in his life that he was a savior who definitely loved the people. And so the throne that was established was established by faithful love and that was done through Jesus Christ. A judge who seeks what is right and is quick to execute <coughs> justice will sit on the throne forever. Now that gives us a clue, the word forever. Uh, in, this, in this passage, it's very likely that Isaiah is talking about Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was a good king of Israel. Israel did not have many good kings, but Hezekiah was one of the good kings, maybe the best king that Israel ever had. And Hezekiah is probably who this text is about. But Hezekiah was a mere human, so he couldn't stay on the throne forever. So I believe this text is pointing us to Hezekiah, who was a faithful and good king and cared for the people and, and was obedient to God. But it also points forward to Jesus. But the point of the text here that we're really focusing on is that the, that the throne is established by faithful love. So we see time and time again throughout the text what love is. It's because of love that God created us. It's because of love that God saves us. And it's because of love that God will dwell with us. And so when we see love in the text, and when we see in Paul's text here where he says, look, he desires us and he commands us that we who are Christians, the fruit of the Spirit that we are supposed to possess, one of those is love. When we look to the Lord, we see what love is. We see that love is sharing and caring about other people. We see that love through Jesus Christ is giving yourself for other people so that their needs can be met. We see that love, if I had to sum up love in one word, I would say the word that I would use would be selfless. Love is selfless. Love is more concerned about the needs and desires of others than about ourselves. Love makes us be more concerned about those around us than our own needs. And there is a certain joy, a certain comfort, a certain peace, a certain happiness that comes when we love other people, when we show that love to them, and when they show that love to us and we feel that love. 
So when we see this fruit of the Spirit, let us examine our life and ask God, look God, am I loving people the way I should? Are there things in my life that are hindering me from loving people the way you did? Loving our enemies, loving those who persecute us, loving those who do us wrong. Maybe, maybe we just were missing out on some love for some people that hadn't done us wrong. Some people that just need a little loving, and maybe we're missing out on that. So let us look at that fruit of the Spirit, and let us, let us fulfill that, Christian. Let us do what God calls us to do, because God indwells in us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit should lead and guide us to love one another. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for being a God of love. We thank you for being a God that instills that same love in us, dear Lord. Your word says that if we are yours, that the Holy Spirit is in us, dear Lord. And we know that if you're in us, God, that love should come out of us. And if there's not enough love coming out of us, dear God, then help us to examine our life. Help us to see if maybe we need an attitude adjustment, dear Lord. Whatever it may be that may be keeping us from loving the way you love, help us to to see that and to do better in that area. God, maybe there are some in here that just have never experienced the love of Jesus Christ. That is, they've never accepted that he died for them, dear Lord, and the love that he had to selflessly give his life. I pray that if, they, if there are some in this room or, or one in this room, God, that had never accepted Jesus Christ, that today that they would just ask for your forgiveness, ask that Jesus Christ would be their Lord and Savior, God, and that they would, that they would just make that known, that they have made that choice for you, Lord Jesus, and that they would follow through in baptism. And God, I thank you for these words tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.